Now, if you, now, if you sit and think about that, it's a little bit like a, a car that is only running on seven of its eight cylinders or an electric car whose battery charge is almost gone. You're not going to easily be able to accelerate to that next level of performance unless you fix those issues. It's the same thing in business. We call it an inflection point. Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now, here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta your host and principal consultant at digital transformation consulting firm Elevate IQ. You may have heard several growth strategies, but growing a business is not as simple as applying a sales formula or launching an innovative product. The approach for growth changes as you evolve in your journey. Each time you double in size, you hit an inflection point and the need for people, process and technology changes accordingly. In today's episode, we have our guest, Jim Kitney from Group 50, who shares his thoughts on each inflection point for companies and what they need to know to identify them and move to the next by making necessary changes. He also shares his perspective on growth implications if we don't act or see a doctor timely. Let me introduce Jim to you. Jim Kitney is a former operations executive with GE, Black & Decker, and Sunbeam also founded Group 50 Consulting in 2004. Jim and his team are strategy, operations, and supply chain subject matter experts working with companies from $10 million to $500 million in annual revenues to create people, process, and technology roadmaps that will allow them to get through an inflection point and double in size. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey, Jim, welcome to the show. Hey, Sam, thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to be on your show. So to start off, we are going to be starting with your personal story and a little bit about your group's focus. Great. Glad to share it. So I'm an engineer, have an MBA, spent 25 years in corporate America with GE, Black & Decker, Sunbeam. And in 2004, realized that while I had a very successful professional career, I really enjoyed helping companies and senior leadership teams get through the issues they have as they grow. And so I started Group 50, which is the name of my consulting firm. There's 22 of us. We have backgrounds very similar to mine. All of us have been CEOs or C-suite, had C-suite positions during our professional career. So when we get into a project, we not only share best practices from really well-known Fortune 100 companies, but we also have been typically been in the chair of our client as well. So we're not only subject matter experts, but we are also peers. Okay, amazing. So the next question is going to be that we typically ask everyone, every single guest that come to the show, and that is going to be, what is your perspective on growth? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, having run companies 
multi-hundred million dollar companies, growth is always the topic of conversation. Because if you're not growing, you're stagnated. Now, there are portions of a company's life cycle where the harvest mode, for example, is about taking as much cash out of your business as possible and allowing the company to eventually die on itself. But that's a really small portion of the population of companies and leadership teams. They want growth. They want to be able to add more products, more channels of distribution, more customers to their portfolio of products so that they can better leverage their current investment in their infrastructure. Okay. Would you recommend growth for every single company out there or are there any companies that should probably not focusing on growth? Well, as we talked about, as I mentioned earlier, in, in a company's life cycle, when they're in the harvest mode, you don't, you're basically, you've got a good company. You don't see much opportunity in the marketplace. Your products are old. You're not willing to reinvest into new technologies or new products and services. So you just harvest as much cash out of the company as possible. Let's talk about growth, which is appropriate for the majority of companies out there. When we have a company, a client who is wants to move from one point to another and significantly grow, there are a whole series of things that they need to do. There's some interesting numbers that have a common relationship, and I'll share those with you. 10, 25, 50, 150, 300, 500 million dollars in annual revenues. Roughly every time a company doubles in size, it hits what we call inflection point. And that inflection point is defined as that period of time when a company's systems, technology backbone, business processes, and organizational structure are struggling to support the current level of business. Now, if you you sit and think about that, it's a little bit like a a car that is only running on seven of its eight cylinders, or an electric car whose battery charge is almost gone. You're not going to easily be able to accelerate to that next level of performance unless you fix those issues. It's the same thing in business. We call it an inflection point. And it's that point in time where a leadership team inside of a company needs to sit down and do an introspective look at its people, processes, and technology, and ask themselves, where are we straining now? We call those operating gaps. And, and what do we need to do in order to be able to go to that next inflection point or double in size? We call those strategic gaps. So at an inflection point, a company needs to sit down and look at its operating and strategic gaps and create a plan on how to close those gaps and prepare itself for continued growth. Okay. So since you mentioned the term harvest mode, and that is fairly new personally to me, and I don't know if it is going to be new for our audience as well. Would you like to touch a bit more on that? What do you mean by harvest mode? So think about technologies that over the last 20 years that were introduced into the marketplace that made products obsolete. So I can think of a couple right off the top of my head. Small mainframe computers, typewriters are two examples where those products were very successful, but new technologies such as the cloud, 
new technologies such as laptop computers and desktop computers came into the marketplace and displaced those products. So it, at some point in time, became very obvious to IBM and other companies that made typewriters that they were no longer going to have a market or that market was going to be taken over by other technologies. This happens all of the time in today's tech-savvy world. They needed to sit down and say, okay, we know we'll have a market for typewriters. We know that that market is going to decline. So we might as well cost reduce this product as much as we can. We aren't going to make any more investments, capital investments into the, the business of typewriters. And we're going to take as much cash out of this business, the typewriter business, or out of this product line as possible. That's what we call the harvest mode. Okay, amazing. So now, with respect to the inflection point that you mentioned, we are going to touch each of those in sequence. So let's say if I am a business that is touching $10 million and I want your help in walking me through or visualizing the processes of a $10 million company. So imagine, Jim, I'm walking with you in a company where they are at $10 million inflection point. They are trying to reach to $25 million. So first, let's talk about how the company is going to look when they are at 10 and how the processes are going to change when they are going to reach to 25. Can you help me with that? Sure, I'd love to. So think about a $10 million business. $10 million is typically, up to $10 million is typically what's referred to in the industry as a lifestyle business. It's run in by one, probably one person with some help from a few other folks. It's run in their head. Perhaps they have a desktop version of QuickBooks. Perhaps they have their production schedule on an Excel spreadsheet or their inventory schedule on an Excel spreadsheet. There are no real business processes in place because let's face it, when you only have two or three people running the business, Everybody has to do everything. And now when you get to that $10 million, if you want to go beyond 10, and, and Sam, I use 10 million as an example. It could be eight. It could be 12. It depends on what the business is. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But it's, it's roughly in that area. But if I want to move to $25 million, I'm going to double in size, which means that I probably need to bring on a couple more people. And well, I'm going to, need to have some specificity around what those people are going to do, perhaps informal job descriptions. And, and I'm going to be making, have a lot more inventory and capital tied up in inventory, whether I'm a retailer or I'm a manufacturer, because let's face it, I've gone to 25 million bucks. Now I'm going to have to do a better job of managing the amount of capital I'm going to have tied up in inventory. So perhaps I now start thinking about an MRP system, a simple MRP system that perhaps bolts onto my QuickBooks or my QuickBooks Online. So what I'm doing now in order to go from $10 million to $25 million, I've got to put some additional processes in place, business processes. I have to add a couple people. I have to add some more technology. And one of the most important things is I need to figure out what products and services I'm going to add to my current portfolio of products and services, they're going to take me from my 10 or $12 million to $25 million. So what I've just described is a, a, an operation or a business that is run by one or two people. 
with loosely defined processes and procedures and technologies in their business. The things they need to do in order to be able to go to 25 million. Okay, so before we touch the next inflection point, I would like to understand the implications. Let's say if I'm at the 8 to 10 to 12 million dollar range that you mentioned with respect to that inflection point, let's say I don't change. I'm not going to change. Okay, what are the implications if I don't? Well, when you get to an inflection point, you typically begin to realize the following things or see the following things. You typically begin to see weakening financial performance because you're not as crisp about the things that you're doing. There, there are skill set gaps inside your organization. Somebody is not doing what they're supposed to be doing. There are operational issues. Perhaps you don't have inventory to satisfy the orders that you need or someone forgot to order inventory and you all of a sudden find out that you're out of goods. Your technology gaps exist in the organization because you, you have a spreadsheet here, a spreadsheet there. What that means, and, and, and communication issues are, an issue, are a problem. And these things exist at every inflection point. But let's just talk about that $10, $12 million company. If they don't fix those things, if they don't close those operating and strategic gaps, then what's going to end up happening is they're going to continue to, str- to, to muddle along. They're going to continue to struggle. And because of those struggles, they won't be able to grow significantly. Okay. So again, uh, I think before uh, we discuss the next inflection point, I want to touch a bit more on the weakening financial performance that you mentioned. So when I'm talking to, let's say, my small customers, majority of them seem to be happy. Obviously, they want to improve, but they don't necessarily understand if their performance is really weak. So can you put this thing into perspective or maybe can you share a story so that my audience can relate with what weakening of the financial performance means? Sure, absolutely, I will. So I'm going to share a story of a $16 million company, a client of ours, that hit an inflection point. What were the kinds of things that they were seeing? Well, as they were at, got up to $16 million, they started struggling with their inventory accuracy. They had inventory everywhere. Some of it wasn't properly marked. Some of it was obsolete. And so as a result, from a balance sheet perspective, their performance was deteriorating because they had too much cash tied up into inventory that they couldn't use. And because they weren't managing their inventory well, they ended up, their service levels started to deteriorate. They weren't any longer shipping their orders on time in full like they had been when they were at 10 and 11 million dollars. And so what happened was they kept growing, but because they didn't do anything about their core systems, people, processes, and technologies, they started struggling and they started losing orders as a result of it. People were canceling orders. And so here they've got more inventory, they've got more people, they've got more assembly lines, and they're now starting to lose orders. So in this particular case, they lost both they, their financial performance weakened in both their balance sheet and their income statement and their gross margin performance. Okay. So with respect to the weakening of financial performance, let's say I sort of know that I have a problem, but I don't know if I am ready to see the doctor yet. So canceling the order could be one problem, but... Are there any KPIs that could help me understand when my financial performance 
is going to be weak and perhaps I should probably see a doctor and make changes to people, process, and technology. Yeah, so there are a, a bunch of important KPIs here. You know, of course, you have your financial covenants. So if you have bank loans, a uh, revolving operational revolver, or you have bank loans, it's likely that there are KPIs the bank is going to monitor to make sure that their loan doesn't get in trouble. And so you'll see those numbers begin to deteriorate and begin to drift downward or upward, depending on what the covenant is, toward that an inflection point, a point where the bank is now going to take notice and say, hey, we need to find out, we need to ask a few questions around this number. Could be a quick ratio, it could be a leverage ratio, could be any number of, of KPIs that banks hold their customers to. Now, while those are important, very important, because that has an impact on your cost of capital, one of the things that I look for is gross margin deterioration. So whether you're a professional service provider or you're a manufacturer of products, gross margin is incredibly important. And gross margin for people who might not know exactly what it is, is basically the money you have left after you pay your bills to manufacture your product or provide your service. So I look at gross margin and attempt to understand what that performance looks like. And if gross margin is deteriorating, let's say I used to be at 42% gross margin, and now all of a sudden, as time is going on, I see it going down into the 20s, I probably need to start thinking about calling the doctor. The other KPI that's important to me on this one is percent of SG&A. SG&A is a percent of sales. Because SG&A, loosely defined, is that bucket of overhead costs you have to you put into your business in order to support sales, marketing, general, administrative, which is what SGNA stands for, costs. And depending on what kind of business you're in, you know, your SGNA for a healthy company could be 10 to 12% for a manufacturer, and it could be 18 to 20% for a technology company. Just depends what industry you're in. But from my perspective, I don't care. I want to see what's your SGNA percent of sales historically and what is your projection for the future. And if you have gross margin going down and you have SGNA going up, then it's probably time to call a doctor. Okay, that's an amazing insight there with respect to when to call the doctor. And uh, I think the audience needs to know about that. One more thing related to the $25 million inflection point that I wanted to touch. You mentioned that perhaps at the $25 million level, they would probably require an MRP system that is going to be an add-on over QuickBooks. Do you have any thoughts with respect to implications of using an add-on of QuickBooks versus using a smaller ERP system? It depends on what your business needs are, Sam. ERPs in general are, are a lot of work to implement. And when you're at $25 million, when you're at $10 million, you probably don't have the resources or the ability to do it unless you go to one of the uh, small ERP systems, which QuickBooks will tell you they are. But most small companies start out on QuickBooks and then graduate to an, a, some type of ERP system when they get to that $25 million inflection point. So at 10, they're going to at, bolt on a couple of things because it's easy to do. They don't have the resources available to support it properly. 
And so at the 25 million is now when you, you're at 25 million, things are stretching even further. It's being strained even further. Uh, you, you now have a couple of decisions you need to make if you want to go from 25 to $50 million. Number one is you need to look around who on your team and see if there's anyone who has any experience at running a $50 million company or anyone who has, have, has actually grown a company from 25 to 50 million. And you have to take a closer look at the, how you, your product roadmap, product and services roadmap to try and figure out how you're going to get to that $50 million mark and what channels of distribution you need to be in, how are you going to sell it, what type of sales organization you need, how much marketing is required to do this. And then you take a look at your technology backbone. So you mentioned that having the experience of running a $50 million company is absolutely essential at the inflection point of $50 million. Yeah. So what we found, so let's go back to this 18, $16 million example I was using earlier, this client that we have. They had a really great group of people, very, very talented people, but they'd never run a business this size before. And so they were making a lot of obvious mistakes, making decisions that were hampering their ability to be able to move to 25 million and then on to 50 million because they didn't have that experience. And so you, as you want to, to move to your next inflection point, you need to stand back as a leadership team and say, okay, if I've never run a company this size, or I have no one in my business who has run this size, where do I get that experience? Do I go out and find somebody who has run a $50 million company? Or perhaps do I put together a small group of advisors? And that's typically what I recommend, Sam. Put together a small group of advisors of people who have run $50 million companies, people who have grown to that $50 million range, and allow them to provide you as the leader insight to the things they should be thinking about in order to move to that next inflection point. And when you go from $50 million to $100 million and the next inflection point, it's, it's equally, it's more complex than the previous one. And so now you have to be much more aware of the types of things your business needs to do, your technologies need to do in order to support that growth. So it's a combination of hire somebody or surround yourself with a group of advisors who can help you get there. Okay. So give me a bit of tech at the, um, at the $50 million level. So at the $25 million level, you mentioned that probably QuickBooks with the MRP add-on could be one way to go. At the $50 million, how is the tech architecture or the landscape is going to look for that company? So when you get to $50 million, or as you're moving up to $50 million, if you sit and think about it, you've got a lot more customers. You've got a lot more customer service work you need to do. You've got a lot more marketing and advertising that you're doing. And of course, it's dependent on what kind of business you're in. Each industry is going to be different, each industry group. But here are the types of things that you, you've got to be aware of as you move to this. At $50 million, your core costs are probably somewhere in the $30 million range. And what do I mean? I'm talking cost of goods sold. And you're probably spending 15, 10 million or so on SG&A related activities. That's a big spend. And that's a lot of spending to a lot of different vendors. 
And so you need to have a strong MRP, ERP system that allows you to manage your accounts payables and receivables very well and very tightly, that allows you to get the kind of financial reporting you need to tell you how well you're really doing. And then you need to start talking about sales inventory and operational planning. You need to talk about what kind of technology systems do I need for my market-facing activities? CRM, for example. I need to manage drip campaigns to my end users on the internet, or I need to communicate with them on a routine basis. I now need to start asking myself questions around, do I need 24-7 customer service? And as I move up to the $100 million range, those questions and, and those issues become much broader and need to be managed much more closely because now you have way too many parts to manage it in your head or on spreadsheets, way too many moving parts. And so it used to be back when I started my career, Sam, technology, if, if, if I looked at the three bubbles of uh, people, process, and technology, business process was big, people was big, and technology was really small. Today, technology is the largest bubble of those three. And all of our businesses are, all businesses are now need to be fully integrated, not only internally with the appropriate reporting systems, data layers, and those kinds of things, but also they need to be integrated with a lot of external systems, ERM, Shopify, if you're selling on the internet, or maybe it's Amazon Web Services, or maybe it's your bank. So technology, as you move up through this continuum and you start moving up you know, to 50 million and 100 million and beyond, technology plays an increasingly more important role in the success of your business. Okay. So let's say if we are going from 50 to $100 million, what is going to change with respect to people, process, and technology? So in, in the, the 50 to $100 million, you're now starting to talk about things that more that companies that are beginning to mature are thinking about. So your your human resource activities are now going to be much more formalized. You're going to have a, a human capital focus because at let's say $75 million, you probably have, oh, I don't know, 100 people, 150 people, potentially 200, depending on what industry you're in. And so that's a large group to 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 manage. So now you have to talk about having an HRIS system, human resource information system. You're going to need to talk. You're probably starting to think about the, at the $100 million range, you're now starting to think about formalizing your board of advisors. You're developing more sophisticated supply chain programs. You're doing more integration of your systems. So now I don't have spreadsheets all over the place. I'm actually doing all of my purchasing and managing my inventory on an MRP system. And perhaps it's now an ERP system that has an MRP module and a financial module and a cash management module and perhaps modules around AR and AP and probably integrated shipping. And it's talking to a CRM because I'm managing the relationship in my market-facing activities through some type of CRM. Those are the kinds of things we're now starting to become more sophisticated in our business processes, more sophisticated in how we manage human capital, and much more integrated systems throughout the entire business. 
Okay, so what is the next inflection point? Is it going to be 200, 250? So typically we talk about $250 million. Okay, now depending on when you started and how long you've been in business, you're now going to have a fully, you need to have a fully integrated ERP system. You're now implementing more formal strategic planning and strategic execution processes. You're maturing your market effectiveness programs. Now, what do I mean by market effectiveness? It's all your market-facing activities. You now have formal systems around product roadmaps, service roadmaps. You have much more formal systems around sales and marketing activities, a fully implemented CRM, and fully implemented programs for the various channels of distribution. You've probably now gotten to the point where the, the half a dozen or so critical people inside the organization are now on some type of long-term incentive program because you need to keep them. You've probably begun to more formally, begun the process of succession planning more formally. Cybersecurity has now become a much bigger issue because now you're probably up in the 250 to 300 people, 200 to 300 people, depending on your business. And so now you've got laptops all over the place. You've got integration, both internally and externally. You've got web interfaces into your system. So cybersecurity now becomes a much more important issue. And you have to think about how you're going to train all of these people to not click on a phishing email, for example. Now, you should be doing that across your entire business, no matter where you are in your growth cycle. But the reality is, as you get to this kind of size, you can now more easily afford to be more formal about these types of things. You're probably talking about very mature supply chain and uh, strategies and programs. But what's really more important here on the supply chain side is that at $250 million, you probably have vendors all over the world. And so now you need to start thinking about what kind of risk you have inside your supply chain. And of course, CFOs and supply chain managers and operational leaders are acutely aware of what's happened over the last nine months in terms of supply chain disruptions. And so now you're starting to think a lot more about supply chain risk and supply chain resiliency. You probably have a very formal, functional corporate dashboard. Now, we have a client who is at $280 million right now. We did their strategic plan for them last year. Well, we facilitated them doing their strategic plan. And we're working with them on executing that strategic plan. And their goal for this year is by 2025 to be at $440 million. Now, that's going, and they're at an inflection point now. Their ERP system, the ERP system that they have is no longer doing the kinds of things it needs to do. It's 15 years old. And we're going to have to work with them to look at what are the new ERP systems that they need to put inside their business that are going to automate more of the back office functions, that are going to do a better job of reporting through the various data layers, that are going to help them be, be more user-friendly in terms of integrating with CRM and defining what the, where the records of truth reside, such as account management with customers. So, when you, when you go from the 250 to the $500 million range, you have a whole new set of questions around how do I structure product management? 
How do I structure my product development organization? Where do I get the capacity inside my uh, supply chain in order to be able to double in size again? So those are the kinds of things that we look at when we're talking about moving from that $250 million to $500 million inflection point. And those are the actual conversations we're having with this client right now. Okay. Did we miss any inflection points that you had? Well, once you get above $500 million and you're moving on, it's a whole new world out there. So, But I think we've got the basic ones covered, Sam. Yeah, that's amazing. I think the kind of insight you have, I can probably spend an hour touching on each of the topics that you mentioned. So <laughs> obviously, that's going to be a very long conversation, but we had a very limited time for this show. So I really want to close at this point of time because of the because of the time. Do you have any final closing thoughts? Most of the work that we do is with companies who are at inflection points and leadership teams who realize that they don't have the experience and insight and knowledge they need to not only fix the struggles, the existing struggles in their business, but to prepare them to be able to move to that next inflection point. And especially at smaller com- in smaller companies, this decision is even more difficult because hell, if I'm a founder, I grew my business to $10 million. I know how to get it to 25, right? It's difficult for founders and people who are really successful entrepreneurs who don't have a corporate background to, to, to be willing to admit to themselves or their team that I don't have the experience to move to the next level and are willing to and, and realize that by admitting that it's not a failure on their part. It's actually brilliance on their part. So I'll just leave you with that thought. Yeah, I could not agree more with that. I think recognizing talent is going to be one of the assets for any founders out there. So thank you so much for your insight, Jim. I really appreciate your time as well as insight. This has been super fun. Sam, you're welcome. And thank you for inviting me. This has been this has been a blast. It's obvious that I love talking about this subject. So uh, I would more than welcome any of your viewers who want to talk further to let, let me know. Thank you so much, Jim. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up stuff from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you want to learn more about Jim or Group 50, please visit group50.com or reach at info at group50.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. If anything in this podcast resonated with you and your business, you might want to check other related episodes, including the interview with Wayne Sarin, who brings a unique perspective on why business processes are more important for growth than individual business systems. Also, the interview with Aaron Kass, CPA from Site Consulting, who touches on why culture is an essential ingredient for growth transformation projects such as ERP implementations. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds If you have any questions or comments about the show, please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, 
check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.